Father, this evening, one more time. This year, the last moments of 2022, speak to us. Help us to look back. Bring to our remembrance the days that have passed by. Cause us to examine ourselves. Because we want to start with you. Fresh. New. Strong. Twenty twenty three is ahead of us. We do not know what lies ahead, but we know who has gone before us. You are outside time. You have seen the end from the beginning. You have gone before us. That's why this evening our eyes are on you. And our ears are open to your word, to your spirit. Speak to us. Let faith arise. Give us hearing ears and believing hearts. A mind that understands Because your words are spirit and life. They are life. We have come into your house for life. And you came to give us life. Even today. And even tomorrow when we go back after the service, we'll go with more of your life. And less of ours. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Before I begin the word and before the year ends, once again I'd like to thank everyone. Everyone, starting with the worship team. To the sound team. To so many. Who make this possible. The ones who serve here after the service at GSS where we gather for lunch in so many ways. I think almost everybody is involved. Is there anybody who is not involved? If you are not involved, get involved in 2023. But as your pastor, I would like to thank everyone. Faithful. You are faithful at your post. And I want to thank God. It matters. In God's kingdom, it matters. So now let's look to the word. 2022 is almost over. Promise still stands there. Restore. And some of you may be wondering, Lord, I believed, I hoped, I prayed, I waited, I'm still waiting. What we need to understand about God is, With God, when he says something, it's always done. Because we are caught in time, we do not see. We do not see. But we will see if we believe. If we have heard 
We have believed. Stand firm. God says it is done. If you believe, he told Mary and Martha, you will see. With God, it's always done. Nephesians 1, 3, he says, you are blessed. Not that you will be blessed. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. In 2 Peter 1, 3, he says, his divine power has given us, not will give us, given us all things. So when God says, you know you have heard clearly, our job is to believe. And our job is to stand by faith. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. Yes, years will pass. Months may pass. But his promises stand forever. It will come to pass. Because it's already done. In First Peter 2.24, when it talks about healing, it says, by whose stripes you? They're healed. Not you will be healed. You were healed. God lives in a completely different realm from ours. There is no time there. The book of Revelation talks about a time when time is rolled up like a scroll. That's why the Bible says he has no beginning, no end. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. So when you have received a promise, though we are entering into 2023, and he will give us new promises, that doesn't mean this has failed. It hasn't failed. He says, it is done. It is done. Because in some cases, like restoration, like reconciliation, homes, families, it's more than one person's will involved. When more than one person is involved, there are other factors that go into play. The easiest is to receive your own personal miracle. It's much easier. Especially when it comes to healing and you are sick. Because there are nobody else involved in it. But when a second person is involved, a third person is involved, don't give up. Don't give up. Okay? Hang in there. So if we have believed, stand firm. But this evening as we stand, the end of the year, we turn first to Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ is in you? So it's good to spend the next one hour examining ourselves. And as we examine ourselves, we will see also what God has to say us to us for this year. Let the Spirit of God bring to our remembrance the past 12 months, 365 days, each, each one's life different. So the first scripture for tonight is First Kings 18 and verse 21. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. The 
we are at, I don't want to use that term. It's English. It's called we are at the fag end of the year. Probably you don't know what it means. Fag means cigarette. End means it's burned off. You are at the end of your cigarette. means fag end of the year. Sounds silly. But those who smoke understand it. I don't smoke, but I still understand. We are at the end of the year. Are there still people here faltering between two opinions? In spite of hearing for 52 Sundays non-stop, 52 Sundays are, by the way, over. Still faltering between two opinions. The voice of this great prophet standing on Mount Carmel probably around 3,000 plus years ago still rings through the ages. How long? How long? Will you falter between two opinions? Joshua said the same thing. Make up your mind. Before you enter 2023, make up your mind. Only one opinion, not two. Joshua said the same thing to the second generation of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. And Jesus says the same thing at the end of the age to the church of Laodicea. Either be hot or be cold. In short, through the tongue of three different people, the Spirit of God is saying the same thing. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. How long will you falter? Elijah is one of the most unique persons in human history and in biblical history. There's practically nobody like him in the Bible. On that day on Mount Carmel, he single-handedly brings revival to a nation. He single-handedly turns a nation back to God. Before Jesus came to begin the work of the redemption, in Luke 1.17, God had said about John the Baptist, he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. When God looked at 4,000 years of human history before his son came, and he looked at all the people he had used down the centuries, he said, you know what? To find a person to prepare the people's heart for my son, it is Elijah. So that spirit that was upon him, that is the spirit I will lay upon John the Baptist. 2,000 years have passed. We are very close to the end of this age before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Everything that you see around the world that is happening, everything that you see is a precursor. The warnings he said, the signs he said will happen with increasing measure because his coming is very near. And when that happens or before that happens, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet 
before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. When he came the first time, Jesus came the first time, it was not a dreadful day. It was the hour of the Lord's salvation. It was a good day. It was a blessed day. But when he comes the second time, he's coming apart from sin, not to save, but to judge. But even then, in his mercy and compassion, as God always is, he says, before that happens, once again, I will send the same person, or the spirit that was upon him, or probably the same person. Who is that? Elijah. What will he do? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. And we believe, we believe that we are going to see before Jesus comes an unprecedented move of the Spirit of God. That's why don't give up. There is restoration going to take place. There is salvation going to take place like never before. Because he said, one more time before I come, I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. The hearts of the children. There will be reconciliation. There will be salvation. There will be salvation. But in the context of what we are looking tonight, can we put up some of the fans which we don't need because it, it gets into the microphone, the sound, which we don't need. Elijah comes and asks this question. He asks this question, how long? How long? How long will you falter? Like I said, 52 Sundays are. I mean, let some of the fans be there, okay? Because it's also a warm night. How long will you falter? How long? How much more time do we need? You need to look at the context in which he's speaking. This was probably one of the worst periods of suffering in Israel's history as a nation. Three and a half years of drought, famine, and suffering like they had never experienced before. Reason is, look at what he says before that three and a half years begin in 17.1. Elijah, that is why he said to this, he said, The Lord God Israel before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. We have heard about it not raining for long seasons. But even in those places, if you wake up in the morning, there is dew on the ground. Mankind does not know what it is to live without dew on the earth. But Elijah said is this, until the word of the Lord again comes from my mouth on this nation, there is going to be no rain or no dew. The earth is parched, absolutely parched. There is no water, it is dry, there is no moisture in the air, nothing for three and a half years. You know what? All these hardships have not changed the hearts of the people. The past few years have been extremely unprecedented hardship for people around the world. We came through an unbelievable pandemic and lockdowns and war and famine in many places. That's why I said God, we were blessed. Because we are looking at people who are getting their promotions and jobs and better jobs in other countries while companies were laying off people in their thousands. In the very sector where you were promoted, 
So all these things happened. Were they willing to make a commitment? And the word of God said, the people said nothing. The people said nothing. Do you have anything to say? Before the year ends? They are not willing to make any commitment. No commitment. I'm praying before this year ends, somebody here or listening online, more than one person, somebody will commit themselves. Lord, this whole year, I was vacillating between two opinions, between the world and God. The kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. I was vacillating. But Lord, before this year end, I am committing myself to you. I don't want this year to pass. I want to commit. I want to surrender. The word of God says, the people said, nothing. Jesus said, if you don't gather with me, you will scatter. He said, if you are not with me, you are against me. See, at the end of the day, there are only two sides. There is no three sides. In the heavenly realm, there is no Switzerland. There's only two sides. With God or against God. With Jesus or against Jesus. And they were not willing to commit themselves. My prayer for this 2022 before the year end is, commit yourself wholly, completely, And if you look at all the trouble they have come through, gone through, the source of their troubles. Now I'm talking to those who believe in Jesus. I'm talking to those who are saved. Those who belong to the kingdom of God. Those who are God's people. Our troubles are not similar to the troubles of the people in the world. Though it may look common, it is not the same. Even two people going through the same trouble outwardly or in. It is not the same because when God's people go through something, go to the source of your trouble. We will see the source of their trouble in First Kings chapter 18, verse 17 and 18. This is when Elijah encounters or confronts the king Ahab. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, you or troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. In that, you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Three reasons given there. One, the source of our troubles. Unwilling to take personal responsibility for our own sins, our own failures, our own disobedience. Personal responsibility. Ahab is personally responsible for the mess that is in Israel. The mess the people are in started with him and his wife, Queen Jezebel. But he refuses. He's blaming on the prophet who shut the heavens down. The prophet is just a voice. He's just a mouthpiece. He can't shut the heavens. It's God who told him and he spoke. Second reason, 
you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You have forsaken your God. And the third, you have followed the Baals or the idols. Three reasons are given. One, we are not willing to take personal responsibility. God does not come to condemn. He comes to convict. Even in the beginning, when into the garden, he was looking for Adam. He didn't come to condemn. He's the one who searches and asks the question, where are you? But he doesn't take responsibility. He says, the woman. The woman doesn't take responsibility. She said, the snake. Finally, 4,000 years later, God comes as man has Jesus, goes on the cross and says, I take responsibility for their mess. And God says, I will forgive them, everyone who believes in you. I will take their mess, put it on you. I will take your righteousness, put it on them and let them go. That's why we are here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I don't know how many of you would be here. The reason is, God stepped down and took man's responsibility. And he went on the cross for my sins and your sins. So the first thing God asks is tonight, look back. Take personal responsibility. Lord, I messed up. I messed up. I didn't listen to your commandments. It was very clear. I didn't listen. I didn't follow. And second, I followed idols. What is an idol? What is a Baal or an idol? The Bible begins in a very, very different way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The real God, the living God, the creator God stands apart from everybody else. Everybody else. There are we humans on earth and there are the other realm where there are angelic hosts and demons. The Bible calls them gods, small gods with a small g. But all are created. There's only one creator. He stands apart. He is the source of everything and should be our point of reference in life. An idol is a person, a place, a thing, or an idea or opinion that takes the place of God in our lives. A person, a place, a thing, or an idea, even a place. The new covenant, even our place. You know why this is a church? Because we came. If we choose to go outside there and have the service over there, that becomes a church. The church is not a place. It's where God's people gather. Where two or three gather in my midst, I will be, he said, I'll be in your midst. Sometimes people are attached to their places. That place of worship becomes their idol. Christians go to Jerusalem. They go to Rome. The Samaritan woman, Jesus said that. It doesn't work that way. So it can be a person. It can be a place. It can be a thing. It can be an idea. Anything that replaces God in your life becomes an idol. We have forsaken the living God, Elijah says, and you have followed the false ones. Baal, here, is a God of convenience. 
Baal is a God of convenience. With Baal, you never have to worry. There is no conviction with Baal. Baal is a God of convenience. Did you worship a very convenient God in 2022? Meaning you worshipped him when it was convenient for you? I had this forward sent by a friend from Atlanta. Just very stunning forward, the pastor's words. You think I'm a prostitute so that you can come to me for intimacy as you please. Signed, Jesus. Think for a second. You think I'm a prostitute, but you can come to me whenever you want intimacy at your convenience. Signed, Jesus. God of convenience. Have we made God bow? That's why they are not saying anything. Three and a half years of incredible suffering will still not make them committed because they want a God of convenience. Convenience. In verse 22, Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And there are another 400 of Asherah too. He says, I'm outnumbered. 1 to 450, 1 to 950, 1 to 1000. He says, I'm outnumbered. Not just prophets, 1000. The people, the soldiers, the king, everybody. You Can you think about a man standing on a mountain all alone and the rest of the crowd is on the other side? Outnumbered. It's not a name of a Hollywood movie. It's Elijah's reality. Committed Christians do not mind being outnumbered. For they know their God. They have very strong convictions. Even when they live and work in pagan or secular cultures. Noah stood alone. All alone. Joseph stood alone. Daniel stood alone. Esther stood alone. Did you stand alone in your workplace or you compromised? You might have been outnumbered. And the things that way you were asked to do would have compromised what you believed in. Did you stand alone? Or were you outnumbered? In your classroom. Because God is looking for witnesses. His witnesses. Elijah says, I am outnumbered. I alone have left. All the others have been killed. And God hid me. Alone. The book of Revelation, the church in Smyrna and the church in Philadelphia are standing alone. While the last day's church, Laodicea has melted into the world. And you look at Laodicea, you look at the world, there is no difference. And that's why Jesus comes there and says, hey, I'm outside. 
if you are committed, and if you commit yourself, pray, Lord, help me to stand alone, if need be. 2023. I will not falter between two opinions. Tonight, I'm making my mind up. I pray I will have a brother or a sister to stand beside me. Because two is better than one. If one falls, the other can lift him up. But when the Son of Man came to his last days, he was alone. On the cross, he was alone. All the others left him. But he was alone. Before the year ends, the first resolution you make is, Lord, I want to commit myself to you. I want to commit myself. There was a test offered by Elijah. Elijah doesn't require the test to who to know who the God is. The test is being offered to the people who are not committed. The people who are not committed. The test is for them. The test is not for me. For him. Look at verse 24. He said, this is what we'll have. You are all on that side. I alone am on this side. We shall have two altars. You all know the story. But for those who do not know the story and the children who like hearing stories, you take your animal which you want to sacrifice. You prepare it. You offer it. I will give you first chance. Head start. I'll give you all the time you want. After that, if you fail, it's my chance. Condition is this. No lighting fire. The God who answers from heaven by fire, that is the real God. That is the real God. When they heard this, so all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. They are not committed. They are still standing there between two opinions and said, we will not make an opinion. Let us see the fire. Then we will make up our mind. Understand this. What they need is rain. The test is for fire. Rain in the old covenant, we know what it means. It means blessings. What people need is blessings. The prophet offers fire. Prophet offers fire. Because fire burns. Fire purges. Fire cleanses. The real living and true God is not just defined by blessings. In heaven, this character is defined by holiness. That's why if this is your first day in the church, you will not understand why we are saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, your mercies. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because this is what God said. If you see my face, you will die. And we are not consumed because of his mercies. No man outside of Christ can make it to heaven. 
Because that's who God is. We saw from Isaiah that the angels cover their eyes and the cry in heaven is holy, 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 holy. And we see the holiness of God, then we'll only understand the mercies of God. We are not talking about a human holiness. We are talking about the holiness of God. So the prophet offers the people is what before the blessing is fire. Get it right. That's the way it should be. Before God blesses us in 2023, let him clean us out. Let him purge us out. All of us. So though the blessings don't destroy us. Don't destroy us. The word of God says, all day long. They, sh- they prepare their altar, the prophets of Baal, prepare their altar, cut the animal, put it on the top. They shouted, they sang, they screamed, they jumped, they danced, they cut themselves to invoke their gods. There was not even a spark. Please understand this. All the religions put in together cannot produce holiness. Holiness is of God and in Christ. Holiness, fire represented, representing holiness is of God and in Christ. You can be the best in any religion to produce the holiness of God. You can sing and worship till your voice is hoarse. You can dance and jump. You can fast and pray. It is not going to produce holiness unless God gives it. Because holiness is of God and in Christ. Get that right. They did it all on that day on Mount Carmel. What do you hear? Silence. Absolute silence. Nothing from heaven. The priests of Baal tried every trick in the book. They knew. No response. Like I said, don't misunderstand. Our God is a God of blessing. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Our God is a God of blessing. And we saw in the beginning, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And in Ephesians 3.20 it says, To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, that is Christ in us. And then in Romans 8.32, God says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is a God of blessing. God is a God of love. 
God is a God of mercy, but He's a God who is holy. Everything He does is in Christ, with Christ, nothing apart from Christ. Evening is falling. Dusk is coming. If you were that day with Elijah on the mountain, if you look around, darkness is closing by, but there is still light at the top of the mountain. Their time is up. We know he scorned them, he mocked them, he ridiculed them, all that, but nothing made any difference. Only made them jump higher, but nothing happened. Then in verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. What did he say? Come one last time. This year, 2022. The year of the Lord Jesus Christ, 2022. One last time from behind the pulpit, in my voice, Jesus is calling you, come near. One last time this year. Come near to me. Come near to me. Every Sunday I say that before the word begins. There are seats we can't come near. If you don't have little children, you have to take care of. Come near. It's an act of faith. Come near. Come near. Because every person in my life I have noticed who left the church were those who sat at the back and refused to come near. Positions matter. And those who sat in the front, before they left, they went to the back. And a few weeks later, they left. So the call keeps on coming from God. Come near, come near, come near, come near. 2022, if you've been far away, this 31st night, come near. If you've been near, come closer. He's one person in your entire lifetime you will meet who will never say you are too close to me. He may clean you up, but he will never push you away. So if you are far away, come close. If you have been near, draw closer. Come near. That's what Elijah is saying. Do you have to wait till all your idols fail before you draw closer to God? All their idols have failed. All the prophets of their idols have failed. And he is still there waiting, not willing to draw near. Do you have to wait like the thief on that side? He was blessed Because next to him who was crucified was Jesus. At least in his last breath, he saw, he believed, he drew New Year and he got saved. (laughs) Like this week I was, every time in the morning when I checked the news, I was surprised. Every headline of any country, headline was always somebody dying. 
before the year is over. And evening when I was just finishing everything and coming, I looked and said, oh, Pope Benedict also went. That's the Pope I liked. Unlike the current one. He was much more conservative, much more, much more, much more. Much more of a believing person. You have to read his last words. Powerful. Very powerful. Looks like a man who encountered Jesus. We don't have to wait for all our idols and our idol dreams to fail before we draw close to God. Look at the waste of a life. You don't have to wait until the dust and the dryness creeps into your bones. It hasn't rained for three and a half years. No dew either. Israel must have been more dusty than Hyderabad. Yet they are not drawing near. Of course, God is a God of all power and might. What is beyond man is possible for God. Can these bones live? Those bones are dry. And he tells the servant of God, prophesy to these dry bones. Any bones that are dry here today, I prophesy to you. Hear the voice of the Lord. Draw near to Him. You are as dry as you can be inside. No dew. No rain. All symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You've been playing religion right in this church. But dry inside. Let your inner man hear the voice of the Lord calling you, come. All who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus said, come. All who are thirsty, he said, come. Why am I calling you from here, come? Because it is written in the final chapter of the Bible, the spirit and the bride say, when the Spirit of God says, come, there has to be a voice on earth to repeat it. Come before you can hear. Therefore, I stand here and I'm requesting you, come. Spirit alone doesn't say, the bride has to repeat from here, come. That's why God is always looking for a man who will stand in the gap. And Elijah was that man. Three different generations. Israel was hurtling down into darkness. That man stood alone. 4,000 years of humanity, he came out of the wilderness and said, I am the voice in the wilderness, preparing the voice of the Lord. And just because before Jesus comes to judge this world, once more that spirit of Elijah will be released. I pray over through a thousand, a million voices calling the people, come, come, come near, come near. One more chance. Come near before it is too late. Come. Don't wait. Don't wait like the prodigal son. Don't wait. Where you have reached the end of your rope. Where you are willing to eat the food fed to the pigs. But even that was not given to him. 
then he came to his senses. Don't wait till then. Forget all the failures of 2022. Forget it all. You come to him, he says, your sins I will remember no more. That's my God. That's your God. Remember no more. Remember no more. In your heart, in a very silent voice, he hears you. You can say, Lord, I'm coming with all my junk, all my garbage, everything. I know you are the only one who will take it. To every other God in this world, if you have to offer something, it has to be something that is valuable, precious, holy. To my God, offer him your junk. Offer him your garbage. Offer him your sin. He will take it upon himself and release his goodness and his righteousness onto us. He's the only God who takes garbage from man. Come to him this evening. One last time. One last time. Look at the clock. 35 minutes left. One last time. Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm not hiding anything from you, Lord. There are unspeakable things. He says, I know. Can't speak it to me. I know it already, but speak it out. Why? Because I said, if you speak it out, the blood of my son will cleanse it all out. Can you imagine? I speak, his blood cleanses. It's always the blood of his son. The blood that was shed for the remission of my sins, your sins. Come near. Elijah speaks for every servant of God. Come near. Come near. All the people came near to him. All the people came near to him. What did he do? He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Do you know, children of God, what is the source of all of our problems? Our altar is broken down. Those whose altars are not broken down, they can face any storm, any battle, any demon, they can face. The first thing God says through his servant is, repair the altar. A broken altar. Do you know why they were in trouble? Because their altar was broken. They had a religion. They had no relationship. Is that your life? Our life? Every room in the house is full and busy. Except the prayer closet. It's empty and silent. Yet when the Son of Man came, you know what he said? 
foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man does not have a place to. That is Jesus. But do you know what? His prayer closet, which was the wilderness, was never empty or ever silent. Never empty, ever silent. Make these decisions. Lord, I want to draw near to you. I want to repair my altar. Because let the blessings of 2023 flow from there. Flow from there. You know in the Bible, in the Bible, in the Old Covenant, in the book of Genesis, who is the most blessed man? It's Isaac. Nobody was blessed like Isaac. Born in the promised land, lived in the promised land, died in the promised land, never stepped out of the promised land. The way his blessing is described, he in prospered and prospered and prospered and never had to fight a battle. Kings came to him and made peace with him. Wherever he dug, he found water. Others came and took it and he said, take it. And he dug, they took it. Listen to these two verses. When he digs his final well. The Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant. You see, every time he's just blessing Isaac. And you know what happens? For Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Did you see that? The first thing he does, he builds an altar. Then he builds his home. Then he digs a well. What is our order? What is our order? The first thing Isaac does is that he builds an altar. Then he pitches his tent. Then he digs a well. And it's called Beersheba. Let that be our order every day when you begin. First, go to your altar. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. We, no one has any clue how close the coming of the Lord is. No one has any clue how close the coming of the Lord is. But those who have their altars, when we worried, when we worried, Let me ask you a hypothetical question, all believers, pundits in the Bible. In the Bible, in the Old Covenant, what was the purpose of the altar? What is the purpose of the altar? To offer sacrifice. And what were the sacrifices offered for? For atonement. For sin. What was the sacrifice offered for? Sin. Not in the altars of Baal. Every sacrifice offered in the altar of Baal was for blessings. Not for atonement. Now you know why the Lord's altar is broken down? Because nobody wanted to deal with their sin. They only wanted their blessings. It is not written they had to repair the altar of Baal. That's the difference. The difference of an altar... The altar of the Lord is an altar for atonement. And they didn't want that altar. 
Because if you go to that altar, you have to deal with your sin. And here is another God who says, I'm not bothered about your sin. Do what you want. Live as you like. We will go back to the altar of the Lord. Because if our sin is not dealt with, doesn't matter what blessing we have. Remember that rich man? Very rich man. He was so rich. His harvest was plentiful. He was thinking like, like one of our modern day Adanis. I'll buy this company, buy this company, merge this company. He was saying, I'll break down my bonds, build more bonds. And you know, God speaks to him that night and said, you fool. You fool. Tonight, your soul is going to be required of. What is going to happen to all this? You fool. Jesus told a real story about a rich man and Lazarus. It's a real story. Two people dying on the same night. The rich man went, boom, straight down to hell. And the poor man was carried, not because he was poor, but because he had faith. Carried the presence of Abraham. Altars make a lot of difference. Which altar you go to makes a lot of difference. So the predominant sin of God's people in the Bible, old and new, you know what? It was always idolatry. Always idolatry. That's why when the Ten Commandments begins, the first thing God says is, you shall have no other gods before me. And don't make images. Almighty God, don't make me into images. Of course, we have idols. Indian idol, American idol, football idol, movie idol, and we worship them. One whole session of worship was over in December. We worship them. One idol died yesterday. Oh, how we worship them. How we worship them. We worship them. That's why people struggle to worship. Because we worship idols. Does Messi require anything from you? No, nothing. Sit comfortably. Please take your subscription. Some of the money will come to me. Sit there. Have your potatoes, chips. And worship me. Baal. मृत्यु के समय में तेरा बाल भी नहीं बचेगा बाल वर्शिपर्स लॉर्ड ऑफ बाल वर्शिपर्स हियर वेक अप अर्ली दे वर वेरी ग्रेटफुल दिस टाइम वर्ल्ड कप फुटबॉल वाज इन कतार सो द टाइमिंग्स वर कन्वीनिएंट इट वाज अर्ली मॉर्निंग दिस वुड अनदर टाइम ऑफ पीपल हु हैव नेवर वोकन अप इन द मॉर्निंग वुड वेक अप एंड वुड बी वर्शिपिंग While your altar of the Lord lies broken. Let me ask you this question to believers of GTC. Shall I ask you to put your hand up? How many of you can say consistently for the past 12 months, I woke up every morning and went to the altar to meet my God. How many of you can actually say without fail, my day began with him. 
without him i didn't begin any day worship him can you say what did bal give you what did god give you his son that's why we will go to heaven that's why we do not fear death that's why death is going home that's why that we have a living hope that's why we are not afraid of what is happening around the world because for us death is death departure what did we give in return i'm not talking about those who are in it companies who have night shifts and all whatever your shift is whenever you wake up think say lord i want to start tonight lord for once new year's eve and sunday morning are the same falling back to back so this let it be a shift in my life starting first of 2023 i will rise up early in the morning to seek your face the first thing is you prepare your altar prepare your altar prepare your altar One day when you are sitting next to God, you will thank me for that. Prepare your altar. Come near, said Elijah. Prepare your altar, he said. And verse thirty-three. I'm not going through the whole order. I'm just showing you what the Lord. And he put the wood in order. Cut the bull in pieces. Third thing. Twenty twenty-three. Please bring order into your lives. order God has designed his entire creation in order the only disorderly set of people are us human beings get order back into your life know your priorities put it in order it takes It's not easy to have order in your life if you're a disorderly person but God will help you. Order can change everything in your life. Order. Discipline. Bring that into your life. I'm telling you even in this secular world if you do not have order you will not prosper. The reason is this. Last week's Q&A we were saying that for a question. The reason is this. We all have been given only a certain amount of time and a certain amount of energy. Certain amount of time and certain amount of energy. If you want to be efficient, you need to know how to order your time and to be energy efficient. And it's order that brings it. And God says the way to be successful now and forever is put me first. Just because the people have been thirsty for three and a half years, the country is suffering. Now the people have come near. He repaired the altar. He is not going to hurry anything. Things are going to be done according to God's order. and god does not make concessions even for those he loves and god loved 
David. David loved God. But when he tried to bring the ark into the city, not according to God's order, what happened instead of blessing was death. Blessing is death. Now some of you might be saying, oh, all these things don't matter. I'm good with my life. Let me tell you something. Do you know why Israel is in trouble? Do you know why there is drought in Israel? Do you know why? So that ultimately they will turn to God. Because in Israel there was an intercessor who said there, Lord, don't bless them until they turn back. And if you are being blessed without following God, it's because you do not have an intercessor. You do not want a blessings where somebody is not standing in the gap and praying for you to turn back. If there was no intercessor for Israel during that time, they would have gone all the way with Baal and Baal would have given them rain. But there was a man who stood in the gap and said, Lord, stop. Stop, Lord. Stop. Because if this continues, they will reach the point of no return. Thank God for intercessors. Thank God for people who stand in the gap. Thank God for people who understand the heart and the mind and the will of God. They just don't want holiness. Just don't want blessings without the presence of God. Be careful. Be careful. All blessings are not from God. Many blessings, even God's people enjoy, are from the devil. Because he will bless you. If he can keep you from God, be careful. That's why I like that prayer request. Which child does not want to go to Germany? What did that child write? If it is your will. Where are you going? Your parents are there. But if it is not your will, I still do not want to go to Germany and be with my parents. I would rather be here alone. That is commitment. Do you know how many Christians have been blessed by the devil, given them green cards and red cards and white cards and gone to U.S., their families broke up, their children went haywire. Was it from God? And they went, but they came and gave a testimony. The Lord opened a door for me. What happened to you after that? Five years, eight years later, everything gone. Be very careful. Every blessing is not from God. That's why be careful. Our God is a God who protects. Then blesses us within. You know, a lot of things happened that day on Mount Carmel. He dug a trench, a deep trench. Put everything in order. He brought the people to bring what? Water. What they don't have. What they don't, that's only, that's, that's the only time you will know if you're really committed to God. What is that you value most in your life? What is you value most in your life? The voice of God usually will say, bring it and keep it on the altar. God didn't ask Abraham anything. He said, I want your son. We didn't ask anything else. He said, I want your son. Because I look at him, that's your idol. I want your son. He told the people, bring water. Everybody has been holding water for three and a half 
Okay. The most precious item in Israel is what? So bring your water. What did Elijah tell previously? Earlier to the widow, the poor widow of Zarephath. What do you have? Little atta, little oil, and I'm going to die. He says, Make, give it to me. What is the idol you're clinging to today? What is the idol you're clinging to? Lot of things were on play that day. He poured water, poured water, poured water three times until everything was soaked and the trench was full. He was making it very sure. When this happens, nobody will ever doubt now or ever this was an act of God, not an act of man. You and I don't have to make things easy for God. Because for my God, your God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Because sometimes in the choices we make, we try to make it easy for God. And we compromise. God says, you don't have to make anything easy for me. You don't have to make anything easy for me. And in verse 36 and 37. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day, you are God in Israel, I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Very simple covenantal prayer. Old Testament, they prayed, God of our father Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We say in Jesus' name, I pray. Simple. When you pray, you need to have a covenant. Either in the old covenant, new covenant. New covenant, in Jesus' name. Old covenant, O God of our father, Abraham, because the covenant was made with them. And then Israel, Jacob is Israel. Very simple prayer. Nothing complicated. There are prayers we pray congregationally. All these prayers taken together, congregationally. There are prayers, it's simply to God. You don't have to make it complicated. It's the simplest prayer that you would ever hear. Producing for the first time in human history, fire from heaven. Lord, this is who you are. This is who I am. I've done everything according to your word through yourself. That's all. What happens? Hear me, O Lord. Hear me. That these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Did you see his motive? His only intention of his entire life of prayer and sacrifice and finally this contest standing alone was so that the hearts of the people would be turned back to God. This year, 2023's promise was very strange. I had to tune in to get it very clearly. The promise was in three words and three parts. Three words and three parts. 
the first part of the promise is this. Oh Lord, hear that these people may know that you are the Lord God, that you have turned their hearts back to you again. 2023 is going to be a year God is going to turn hearts back. You need to realize we cannot turn our hearts back to God. We simply do not have the capacity. He has to turn. The way he will turn it, he will turn it with fire. Turning back is a simple word, repent, which means to turn. You have to believe for yourself. For those who have been praying for years and years, this is a year that is coming because every Sunday, the most repeated prayer is salvation, 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 salvation. Believe because you have a promise. His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. How do we partake of it? Receive through his exceedingly great promises. Which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. So when we receive a promise like this, God is saying, I heard. I heard Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, salvation of loved ones, salvation of loved ones, salvation of loved ones. They are not going to be saved until they turn. God is saying, the time has come. I will turn. I will turn. He's telling me two minutes left. I will turn. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a child. We don't know who it is. Everybody's, anybody here whose entire household is saved, put up your hand. No hands. So everybody has people who are not saved. And you've been praying. You've been trying all kinds of methods. Nothing is happening. God says, the year has come. And by your personal testimony, instead of drawing them close to God, you have driven them farther away. (laughs) And for the season of rebellion, you are the reason. It is coming. Believe. 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 You have to believe. During the past few years, you know how many people in our household, my wife and our household, have turned to God and they are listening online. Do you know how large my wife's family is? The last count, there are 1,800 remedioses. All Catholics. Most of them listen online. The other half will listen. 2023. None will be lost. None will be lost. You have to believe. You have to believe. 2023. 
first part of the promise is, turn. Lord, you will cause. You have turned their hearts back. They will repent. They will turn their hearts back. Because you will cause it. How will you do it? Verse 38 and 39. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord God, He is God. The Lord, He is God. That's how it will happen. It will be an act of God. The fire of God falls on a person. He doesn't need any convincing. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Let him do it. You continue to stand there and pray simple prayers. Saying, Lord, I heard. I believe that 2023, my father will come. My mother will come. My husband will come. My wife will come. My son will come. My daughter will come. My brothers, my sisters. You believe and you pray. Let God's fire fall. The word of God says when the fire fell, nothing was left. Everything. Everything. The sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, everything was gone. There's nothing left. The people fell on their face. No more doubts. Nobody anymore is faltering between two opinions. Everybody has only one opinion now. You are God. Believe. Believe. Nobody has any more doubts. You are God. What happened? The fire fell. On the day of Pentecost, all these disciples who faltered and wavered and went fishing after the resurrection, I'm talking about. Those who betrayed him before resurrection, went fishing after resurrection. 500 of them he appeared. Only 120 was present. But when the fire fell, they stood there as one. Nobody was in two minds or two opinions now. They stood there and one man stood in the front and he spoke. And 3,000 were added to their group who were of one opinion again. What made the difference? Fire made the difference. In verse 40, Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So seize them. Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. We don't kill people. That's old covenant. That's a different thing. But the picture is this. Once the fire falls, you don't have to worry about telling people, deal with your sin. It will be dealt with by themselves with a firm hand. They will. They will. There's no struggle anymore. Because you have encountered the living God. And you are very much aware of what is clean and what is unclean. You are no longer struggling with idols. You have only one hero. And that's Jesus. And everybody else is zero. And you're not going to waste time over there. You're not going to waste time over there. Because you realize the greatest gift God has given me each day is time. 
You may be a simple kid sitting here. You got 24 hours today. Prime Minister Modi got 24 hours today. There is no difference between you two. The only question is, what did you do with your time? Luke 3.16, this is what God had said. Jesus, John the Baptist had said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit to the overflow. What about fire? Fire burns idols. Fire destroys everything that stands between you and God. Fire. To the same prophet Malachi, he had said, he will suddenly come into his temple and he will sit there like the launderer's soap and the refiner's fire. Ask and you shall receive. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Ask. Once the fire has fallen, all are committed. Sin, the visible presence or symbol of sin has been destroyed. Next thing is verse 41 and 44. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Blessings are on the way. More than you can think or imagine. And verse 44. He told Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Because the rain is going to be so heavy. So heavy. Go, otherwise you will not be able to go. What brought the rain? Something happened there on the mountain. The fire fell. Sin was dealt with. God opened up heavens. Because he knows. Now he blesses his people. It's a, it's a lesson. The blessings won't destroy them. Because when God prospers a man, he adds no sorrow to it. No sorrow to it. Repentance. You know what it leads to? It leads to the second promise. The second part of the promise for this year. 85, Psalm 85, verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Again note, will you not revive us? The fire is from God. The rain is from God. The repentance is of God. And the revival is also of God. Keep that in mind. Repent. Revive. Once they have turned to God, revival is breaking forth. And it is in the midst of the revival God will show Elijah who will take his mantle. A man who is walking, smelling the revival. The rain has soaked the ground. Everything is turning green again. 
revival has started. What is it? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you? Second thing, we need to pray, believe and ask for his Lord. Revive me again. Revive Lord. Individual lives. Homes. Cities. Nations. A disgruntled, angry prophet under great pressure was sent to a city called Nineveh. When repentance took place, revival came into Nineveh. Whole city turned. Those who are listening abroad, pastors listening abroad, believe for your country and your cities will turn to God. Because times are very difficult. When it is very difficult is when God intervenes. When people are willing to listen. Willing to hear. Blessed are those who hear when times are good. If not, don't worry. Times will be bad soon for you. Either way, God will cause you to listen. If you have been in this church or any church and heard the word of God. All kinds of people are in the body of Christ. Different people need different kinds of revival. Genesis 45 and verse 27. When they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry with him, the spirit of Jacob, their spirit, revived. This is the man who thought his son was dead. Almost 22 years have passed by. He has no idea his son is alive. Not only has his son is alive, he is prospered, reached the top of his career. Now he sent carts full of things to bring his father and his father's household to Egypt. When he heard Joseph was alive, when he saw what he had said, his spirit revived. There are lots of people who have lost hope. They have given up. They have grieved. As far as they see, their future is dead. But this year, 2023, you will hear news which you never believed would have happened. And your spirit will revive. You thought that was dead. You thought your marriage is over. You thought your career is over. You thought it's all over, it's done. Now it's just another mundane life going around in circles like the children of Israel wandering till I die. God says no. 2023, you will see what God will do. You will hear about the impossible. You will hear that was you thought was dead. It's not dead. It was thriving. It was doing very well. Only thing you did not know. You will hear. You will hear how good God is. How wonderful God is. How awesome He is. Yes, you sang with your lips, grateful, grateful, grateful. But when you get the news, in 2023, you will sing with your heart, grateful, grateful, grateful. What God is able to do. Repent, revive. Judges chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. This is Samson. 
after he had killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and he said, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. Now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So the Lord split the hollow place that is Lehi and water came out and he drank and his spirit returned and he revived. There are a lot of people even now listening online. They have been waging this battle, spiritual battle for the people of God all alone. I know sisters even in this country. They come out of their prayer, prayer closet only once a week. They are there. They have rooms with attached bathrooms. They eat one meal a day. They never come out. All they do is pray, fast pray. They are the Anas of 21st century. It's sometimes they are fighting and they are fighting and they are fighting and they are fighting for others. They are not fighting for themselves. They are fighting for others. And they are on the verge of giving up. God says to them, my spiritual warriors, you will be revived this year. You will be revived this year. Elijah was such a man. He stood alone, all alone, three and a half years, fighting this battle. Nobody, not even one person, all alone. Finally, when he thought revival had begun, the person, Jezebel, said, see if not tomorrow, you are like the prophets, my prophets you killed. He ran. He ran. All he wanted was to die. You know what God did for his servant? He sent an angel. and Revived him. Took him on a 40 day journey. Changed him around. Gave him a new commission. And sent him. That is one man who wanted to die. Still hasn't died. What he wanted was to die. Samson thought he was going to die. These are warriors. These are not normal people. These are warriors. There are warriors in our churches. Those who fight day and night. But they are weary. They are weary. They grow tired. Because... They feel like Elijah. Lord, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Elijah, God says, not you. There are 7,000 others. You don't know them. But you're not the only one. And God is telling them. And Sister Safia, if you're hearing now, God is hearing you. Don't give up. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your children. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Mrs. Syrian, Mrs. Syrian's mother, Hannah, Sarai, don't give up. You are warriors. You've been beaten. Your bones have been broken. You have been raped by intruders multiple times, but you still not stop fighting. 2023. God will revive you. There are people out there you have no clue. You have no clue what their grounds will be in eternity. 
Literally, they have offered their bodies as a living sacrifice. And they will never quit their prayer closet. There are many out there. The names I'm not at a liberty to speak. To them, God is saying, there will be revival. He will revive your spirit. Some of them are young. Younger than many of you sitting here. The bodies have been brutalized this year 2022. They don't quit. They never stop praying. They never give up. 2023 God says, God will spit the hollow. He will quench your thirst. He will revive your spirit. Because I have seen you. Many of the messages I preach from here is not for you. Many of the messages I preach Monday, Wednesday, Friday is not for you. It's for them. Don't give up. Because if you give up, many of the people in my church will not make it. You don't give up. This evening, a young kid wrote to me. Kid you will never see. Daddy PJ, I want to thank you before the year ends that God used me, you, to save me from the fires of hell. You will never see them because they cannot be seen because of who they are and whose they are. But once they come through, do you know what they do? All they do is pray. And they pray. And they pray. And they pray. I'm telling you. Telling all of them. 2023, God will pour out His Spirit upon you. He will revive you. He will revive you. He will revive you. They are the kind of people, Hebrews 11, afterwards, 35 talks about where the word of God says this world was not worthy of them. God is telling you beginning of this year to you, all of you who are standing in the gap never quit. There is in Lisbon in Portugal a 109 year old lady All she has done after she got saved at 98 or 99 through a message that was preached from here. After that, all she has gone through is persecution. Every bone in her body has been broken. But all she lies down there and prays in the spirit non-stop, 24 hours a day. They are saints. 21st century saints. They refuse to give up. They won't quit. They want to go. But for our sake, they stay. To them, God is saying, I will quench your thirst. I will revive your spirit. That's why I said this year's promise was very strange. I struggled with it to fall it into place. Lord, he just gave me three words. Repent. Revive. The third one. 1 Kings 17, 22. 
Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came back to him and he revived. There are many in our midst, in our homes, in our offices, whom we love. They are dead in the spirit. They are dead. They are not interested about God. They don't want to hear about God. The only way you can fellowship with them is if you don't speak to them about God. They are dead. But God is saying, 2023, I'll hear the cry of a father or a mother or a spouse or a loved one. And I will revive them. I will hear your cry. The Lord heard the cry of Elijah. And the boy's spirit came back. And he revived. They're dead. They're dead men walking. They're alive. They are in the world. But they're dead. Luke 15, 24. This is what the father said. My son was dead. But now he's alive. God says, don't give up. Turn. All your heart, turn. Destroy every idol that is in your life. Revival is coming to the churches. Revival is coming to homes. Revival is coming to households. It is coming. He says, I will do it. It will be the work of the Lord. Children, you never hoped. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. But you never find Lazarus with Jesus until he's dead and is revived. Then you see him with Jesus. And you will see in 2023, many who are dead in the spirit, once they are revived, they will be with Jesus. They will not leave him. They will not leave him. They will put you to shame for your complacent, compromising faith. God will revive. You have to believe. Because you know why? It's not only that clock that is ticking away. There is another clock in heaven that is ticking away. If you have doubts, Read what was spoken through the prophet by the Holy Spirit in First Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and be watchful in your prayers. The prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman, a righteous child availeth much. Elijah prayed. The child revived. And he gave the child back to the mother. God is going to pour out the spirit of Elijah on this earth one more time. For what? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. The hearts of the children back to the fathers. Before the terrible and dreadful day of the Lord. 
Our job is to believe. And say, Lord, you do it. I believe. Martha and Mary said, Lord, he's been dead four days. Because he said, remove the stone. His body must be stinking. Jesus said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Do you believe? The one you have lost hope? That's why every miracle of Jesus Christ is a sign. 12 years issue of blood. 18 years bent down. 38 years crippled. He says, do you want to be made whole? Time is not a factor for the living God. It doesn't matter how long you have been dead spiritually. How long you have been bound by sin and Satan. God says, the son of man has come to destroy the works of the devil. Thing is, do you believe? Because after death, there's no coming back. It is judgment. You go to hell or you go to heaven. Every chance is now. That's why we need revival. We need the dead to be revived. We need them to know Jesus. That's why around the world there are people who are shutting themselves in the closets because they know, Lord, the end of all things is near. Therefore, Lord, I'm going to be serious. I have no more ambition in life. Everything I need is one meal a day, a roof over my head. I don't need anything else. Even if I don't have one meal a day, it's fine. I'm fine. Because there are now bigger things at stake here. Souls of men and women. Second Kings thirteen twenty one. Elijah is dead. Elisha is dead. His body has been buried. Another man has died. And his friends have taken his body to bury him. At the time, a horde of enemy Amalekites come. So what do they do? As they were burying a man, suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. Elisha's tomb was there. They just opened the tomb and put him in. And when the man was let down, he touched the bones of Elisha and he revived and stood on his feet. This is what the Lord told me. There are many who are dead. They're dead. Dead spiritually. But in the year 2023, he says, there will be many brought to life without the intervention of man. They will by accident, God's accident, walk into a meeting where the anointing will be so strong, they will just get saved. It will be a supernatural work of God and God alone. And no man will be able to take credit. I met people like that. Said, how can you tell me your testimony? How did you get saved? He said, I went for a meeting. The worship was going on. I have no idea what happened. The presence and the power of God was so powerful. I believed. Jesus is the Son of God. That's why when Jesus speaks the first time in his town, he says, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me anointed me. You have to believe in God. You have to believe in his goodness. Elisha is dead. We don't know how long he's dead. 
Why is the anointing tearing over his dead bones? Because God knows a dead man will come one day who has to be revived. The anointing of God, not the anointing of Elisha. We don't have anointings of our own. The anointings we have is of God. Why is the anointing of God tearing over a dead man's bone? Because God in his sovereignty has seen a man will die. And he will be thrown in here. He has to be revived because his name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. There is nobody to intercede for him. There is nobody who cries for him. God says, yet he will be saved. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's why every time morning we pray with the worship team. The prayer is always, Lord, let your anointing flow. Let your anointing flow. Let your anointing flow. Because it breaks yoke. Anointing can break even the yoke of death and cause the man to come back. It is the anointing of the Spirit of God. Believe. All things are possible to him or her who believes. When it comes to salvation, don't set limits. Everything else, material, temporal, put limits, does not matter. Salvation, no. No, Lord. Because it is not the will of God that any man should perish. But everyone should come. Stand on it. Stand on it. Stand on it and say, Lord, I'm standing here on your, your will, your desire for man. Lord, let 2023 be a year of harvest. Let there be a revival. Let the dead come back to life. Let the dead come back to life. Let the dead come back to life. And personal, each one of us, as we turn and as God revives us, how do we stay revived? Have you noticed in church history, revivals don't last for too long. But when they are there, they are very powerful and after they peter out. But some people, they are always revived. They never change. Their fire never goes down. What was the secret? Isaiah 57. Verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits in eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and, and elsewhere with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Did you see that? Do you know why Jesus said, learn of me, I am meek and lowly. Because if we learn to be meek, humble and contrite, God will stay within you and keep you revived. Your fire will never go down. Your passion for God will never go down. You will walk in a state of revival. This is God's way. Who is the one who revives? It is God. How can God come and stay in your heart? And you will not be revived. But what is the kind of heart is looking for? The humble 
and a contrite heart. That's why God stayed with David. Because he knew a contrite and a broken heart he will not despise. Despise. His coming is getting closer and closer. Do you know that? It is getting closer and closer. Don't be caught like the deer in the headlights. Don't get caught like the deer in the headlights. Because if the driver's car doesn't have good brakes, what happens to the deer is a deer dies. You know what happened to the deer in the headlights? It was in the middle of the road. And the car came and it was between two opinions, this side or that side. And by the time it's made its mind, it died. That's why Elijah is saying, how long will you falter between two opinions? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision and the day of the Lord is near. The prophet says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision and the day of the Lord is near. And when the day of the Lord is near, you know what we have to do? Turn. And revive me, Lord. You turn me, Lord. I I have, I am incapable. You need to understand the heart of God and the truth about God. You know, one of the things which God showed me from the covenant in Genesis 15, we don't have to go there, where he made with Abraham is this. You know what? When the time for the covenant was to be made, he put Abraham to sleep. He did not allow Abraham to walk between those pieces of the animal. He made a covenant for Abraham and himself with himself. So that when Abraham failed, he took the punishment upon himself. And he said, you know what? Tell your people, I know they are weak. I have made a covenant with myself that what they are not able to do, I will do for them. They are not able to turn. Tell them to tell me, help me to turn. I will turn them. If you are not able to revive yourself, tell them to tell me, I will revive them. Confess your inability to God. Because that's our truth. We cannot do anything that he asked us to do. That's why he told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received my power. When my spirit comes, you will have the power. So the day of the Lord is near. He cannot take us until he has revived us. The final verse before we go to communion. Before communion. Hosea 6.2 After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will. For we can be raised. He has to revive us. It's a revived church that will be raised. We are at the end. Very end of the second day. The third day is knocking at the door. And we are not talking about 2023. We are taking over the third day of the Lord. Before he raises up, he has to revive us. Stand on the promises of God. Believe in the promises of God. And say, Lord, you will revive me. I heard. I believe. You are God. Jesus is your son. I believe. I turn now, Lord. And help me to turn. Revive me, O Lord. And I am believing great things in 2023 to happen in my home, in my household.
I'll have the worship team back. We'll worship first. Just as I am.